Welcome to Stall Warning, a show talking all things lacrosse. I am your host, Ponchito Ojeda, and today I am joined by University of Florida head coach, Garrett Hanrahan. Coach, how you doing? Doing good, Ponch. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man. It's a beautiful Monday night here, and it's colder than heck. It's like 45 degrees in May here in Christiansburg. Um, what's it like in Florida? Uh, a little bit nicer than that. It was uh, like 80 and sunny today, and uh, I actually... I went to the beach this past weekend for the first time since this all, uh, you know, the whole quarantine thing started. So that was that was pretty nice. That's awesome. I'm I'm certain that you maintain six feet from all people you encountered. Definitely, uh, of course. <laughs> oh man, how how are you guys dealing with the the quarantine down there? It sounds like you guys are getting some some space to move now. Yeah, things are loosening back up. Just kind of within the last week. Um, before that, it was pretty you know, pretty much the same as everybody else. Um, even if you did leave your apartment or your house or whatever, there wasn't much that you could do. Um, but now restrictions on restaurants have loosened up a little bit so you can go and and sit outside if they have outdoor seating. Um, you know, things like public parks and stuff are starting to open back up a little bit for use. So there's a little bit more to do. You don't have to wait in line at the grocery store anymore, which is nice. Um, so signs of a return to normal but uh you know we just kind of gotta hope and pray that as september starts to get closer and fall semester which i know you guys are probably in the same boat as us where you'd love uh, a full return to normal by the time fall ball rolls around um but we'll kind of wait and see and uh you know maybe maybe we at least get something close to normal where we can at least see our guys in person and do some work um maybe with a couple of restrictions but um, I think that would certainly be preferable over uh, having to kind of be uh, Zoom coaches for the entire fall semester. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just hungry to compete, man. I, I, I was, uh, we were, we were like just getting rolling. You know, we, we're new coach, new team. Like we were, we were just starting to kind of hit our stride as as we hit spring break, and uh, it kind of sucked because like some of the things that we had to deal with, um, you know, we were we were kind of moving past, right? Like I was talking to another coach, a couple coaches about, you know, we hadn't had our starting attack yet and we probably weren't going to have them till towards late march but still like you know, we had starting attack we've had to bench long poles I and mean, it was like we didn't have a starting team for any of the games and we were already starting to make some strides so it was like such a bummer to like lose that ability to compete with other teams you know yeah i i we empathize with you um i, I had a few we did exit interviews uh via text message actually shortly after the season wrapped up i had a little kind of questionnaire, um, little five question, big hitter list that I sent out to the team and just had guys kind of respond back to me. And then it, it was nice because it sparked up a conversation. And that was sort of our first foray into keeping communications going um, amid the quarantine, but had a lot of guys, older guys who have been through some highs with us um, since I've been uh, leading the program and then went through kind of a, a tough season last season who they really felt like right when all this started happening and the season kind of got cut short that we were really hitting our stride um, as a team. And they felt like for, you know, we were ready to maybe get over a hump or two that we had been fighting to get over for a couple of years. Um, so it definitely, it stinks that it ended the way it did for a lot. And, you know, so there's probably a lot of teams around the country that feel the same way. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. And, and, you know, the teams that look at this as an opportunity and, and a challenge to overcome will be the ones that, you know, get to reap the rewards in 2021. So you just got to keep moving forward. That's right. Moving forward. I love that. And yeah, that's such a great mindset. And, uh, you know, that segues perfectly into your story because 
I think you have a great story about your high school playing career and some challenges that you face and how you move forward with that and then how you've carried that into your coaching career. So let's let's start there with uh, with your time at Gonzaga High School. Um, and, and yeah, let's start there. Yeah, so um, I grew up most of my life other than a few different um, stops uh, elsewhere. My, my dad was Navy and then he worked for Lockheed Martin after the Navy and we bounced around a few times, but I'd say 90% of my youth was in Northern Virginia, uh, Fairfax County. So a great lacrosse place and also an area that I know you had some ties to. So um, it's been kind of interesting over the years of playing against you when I was a player and you were a coach and then um, coaching against you at Sonoma State. And then now coaching against you when you're with the Hokies to kind of see where our paths have crossed um, both, you know, kind of in the MCLA and then also back in the day in Northern Virginia. But um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Let's not talk about my own two record as you against you as a coach, but more <laughs> important, where where did you play uh, youth ball? Uh, Springfield Youth Club, SYC. Oh man, boo! I was a BRYC kid when I was growing up. Okay, Braddock Road, <laughs> Braddock Road Youth Club for That's the listeners, true. which is uh, <laughs> you guys were blue and yellow. Were those the colors? Because it was no, like blue, blue and white. Uh, FPYC Fairfax Police was uh, uh, blue. okay, but yeah, you yeah. guys you guys were kind of like the the Lake Braddock area. Uh, yeah kids right yep. so yeah we were, we were robinson yeah we were like uh lee high school and um west springfield high school so yeah, yeah we had some rivalries uh i think i had a, a decent record lacrosse wise against bryc um in the early years but then kind of late middle school i think they uh they gave me a whoop and a time or two <laughs> um yeah. Yeah, we, we always lost to Fort Hunt. We we beat everyone else. Like, it, I mean, we probably lost, we lost other games. I don't remember all the s- schools and or clubs, whatever. But I remember always yeah, losing to Fort, Fort Hunt. Hunt when it I do remember these like two goal games or one goal games. Where you're like, I feel like we could have won that, and then we we didn't. And they just and all those kids went to St. Stephen's. Yeah, Fort Hunt. So it was, uh, was kind of weird to see that like experience we, of just they haunted my dreams. Continuing in, uh, to. Not uh, not be able to get over that Fort Hunt uh, hump. Did, and you said you played against Fort Hunt in football. Yeah, yeah, Fort Hunt. Um, they were like a powerhouse football team when I was playing ankle biters. Um, so they gave me nightmares in football. I don't remember them being too tough lacrosse wise, but um, yeah, football wise, they were definitely a, a force to be reckoned with. So yeah, that's fun. Fun that we uh, encountered a lot of the same arch nemeses so to speak in our youth sports days uh, up in northern virginia yeah man so you youth ball at syc and then you head to gonzaga and did you play for coach o'neill i did not no um so yeah that's my story at gonzaga is interesting in terms of i never played varsity lacrosse so that's kind of i've as i meet new players who come and play for me in the mcla level i kind of uh, i find a spot to to tell that part of the story to them of you know Hey, fun fact, I never actually played varsity lacrosse. So maybe it's a risk up front in that they might uh, might wonder what the heck I'm doing there, blowing the whistle and telling them what to do. But, um, you know, I like to remind them that, number one, that at this point in their career, they're already a little bit ahead of me if they're coming to me with some varsity letters. Um, but also as sort of a reminder that, number one, you're you're never done growing in this sport. And, you know, there, you can have a long future ahead if you work for it and if you find the opportunities. Um, and also just sort of as a, you know, a little example of something that I worked for to kind of get a second chance at. So at Gonzaga, I played, um, two years of JV and I, I actually, I started off great my freshman year. I made 
the better of the two JV teams. We had a JV white team, which was kind of the lower level freshman team and a JV purple team. Um, that was the sort of stepping stone to varsity played that freshman and sophomore year, but then my junior year got cut from the varsity and, uh, that was it for my Gonzaga lacrosse career. I didn't try out again senior year, but I did get back into the sport my senior year and played some travel ball, um, just kind of in the Northern Virginia area because I, I missed the game. But um, right. Gonzaga was fortunately a great academic school, and I kind of just focused on academics the rest of my time there, um, and then was you know able to get into my dream school, which was UF, and, and had been since I was a little kid, um, and so didn't have any lacrosse aspirations at the collegiate level. Um, but when I got to UF, I was fortunate to meet, um, a couple guys who had just finished their freshman season on the, on the team. And they kind of opened my eyes to the MCLA experience and, and, you know, um, cause I, I knew about club sports, but I didn't think much of them, I guess. Um, but they kind of quickly showed me how awesome of an experience it was. And they convinced me to come out. And it was also an opportunity for me to realize that, um, you know, I could still play. I was, I was fortunately pretty good. And, and I was, um, uh, I had come from an area that was really competitive. I, I'm sure people might've heard of Gonzaga by now. They've kind of had a decade of dominance <laughs> in that uh, area, but they actually, that year that I got cut, um, they hadn't won a championship in a long time, I think since the nineties. And so I would have gotten cut that 2010 season. Um, and that season, they won their first championship of what's now been a, I think they've won nine out of the last 10 uh, WCAC championships. So, yeah, yeah, it's basically uh, it was DeMatha and Gonzaga in the 90s, and then kind of DeMatha took the reins for a while. Yep. And then, it was, and then Gonzaga came back and took them back, essentially. Exactly. That's yeah. So, yeah. Um, I was uh, fortunate um, to, you know, I, competed against really good players growing up and and lost in that competition that year in terms of trying to earn a roster spot to some really good players. But um, I also look back and think that it gave me an appreciation for the game to where now when I got an opportunity to play again at Florida, I had, I had grown a lot. I think that, that was, you know, I was kind of a late bloomer physically. So that kind of didn't work in my favor in high school. Um, and then also re- realizing that I was in a, a talent rich area growing up. And then when I came to the Southeast, I realized, Hey, I've been playing for 10 years against some pretty good kids and I've had really good coaches. And now that's kind of serving me well, um, at this level. Um, so got hooked immediately. And, um, my freshman year just kind of worked my way into a a D mid role. That was my way to get on the field. And I was lucky to have good defensive coaching my whole life. And I understood slide packages and I could, you know, just, the coach could trust that I wasn't going to miss an assignment. I wasn't by any stretch the best athlete on the field and I wasn't the most skilled lacrosse player. Um, but he could trust me to, to do my job. Um, so coach winners, who was the coach at the time, coached me all four years there. And, uh, he's, he's an awesome, awesome coach who I learned a lot from especially yeah. defensive side of the ball. I know you guys are, are pretty tight. Um, and you'll have some, yeah. some rematches up there now, uh, that he's, <laughs> coaching ball at temple but uh coach winters gave me another shot and and he's like a big brother to me now so that was kind of the beginning of my story at florida and it's been no looking back ever since i played all four years um evolved from a a d mid my freshman year to you know slowly but surely a little bit more responsibility and by the time i was a senior i was fortunate that um my teammates saw fit to to give me the title of captain Um, nice congratulations uh, that's awesome dude 
Yeah, thank you. Um, played first line offensive mid, played man up, played man down. Um, wish we had won some more games back then, but, uh, you know, I had a blast competing and I met some of my best friends who, you know, are, you know, will, will be at my wedding and all that kind of stuff. So um, it was an awesome experience for me. And, and, and most importantly, it helped me fall back in love with the game. And that's kind of where I'm where I'm at today. Dude, that's awesome. Man. I mean, we could do a whole podcast on big schools and players who are playing on lacrosse teams and players who are sitting not playing on lacrosse teams. Yep. Um, it's, it's always so funny to hear how a player comes out of some of these big schools. And I'm learning all about that here at Tech. I mean, shoot, I, I was telling some of my guys, like, there's five or six guys on who aren't playing who are probably better than everyone on this team. Like, they're insanely good. Yeah, uh, just not just not interested in playing college across, which is weird to me. But yeah, it's a whole thing. Um, so yeah, Winters is the man. Uh, I loved it. I loved it when he came out to California with you when you were coaching. Um, and uh, was that 2018? I think. And yeah, that was my my second season as the head coach of Florida, and he he did book a ticket <laughs> and came out and joined us. Um, it was a it was like a a reunion of our 2014 trip when he was the coach and I was a junior player. We did that same. North Northern California swing. Um, so we yeah. came out and, and uh, helped me man the sidelines, which was awesome. Yeah, he's he's an awesome guy. I like him a lot. And uh, we had a chance to play each other this year uh, with him coaching at Temple. That was fun. So yeah. um, Winter's a good dude, uh, really good dude. So fun to play for him. And then, uh, you know, so obviously most people think, assume that coaches just like get out of college and then go right into coaching. But you actually left Gainesville and headed out for a job and I want to make sure I'm saying this right. You were an assistant coach at Merritt Island in 2016? Yeah, that's correct. So I graduated um, in 2015, was my senior season at Florida. And that same year, Coach Winters retired in terms of his his time at Florida. He moved back up to Philly, where he's from. Um, but I moved away. So I moved out of Gainesville, thought that I was never going to be back in Gainesville just because it was like, well, this is where I went to college and I, I don't expect to come back here. Um, and moved to the east coast of Florida, a town called Merritt Island, which is sort of near Cocoa Beach um, or near the Kennedy Space Center, kind of things that people would be familiar with. Um, and I, my degree is in mechanical engineering, so I got an engineering job over there and um, you know, decided that I missed the game kind of in the mid-fall and reached out to uh, – I just started with Merritt Island High School because it was the high school that was a mile down, down the road from my house. So I uh, didn't know anything about lacrosse in that county. Um, but fortunately, the head coach at Merritt Island at the time, a guy named Al Delenti, um, he had helped sort of really develop the sport in that county. Um, he was a Northeast guy who ended up in Florida and, and had a history with the sport and helped develop it in that county for not just Merritt Island High School, but all the high schools. Um, and so he you know, welcomed me aboard immediately and said, you know, come out, be an assistant coach. You can coach whatever group you want. Um, and so I went out there and I coached the defense and, and had an absolute blast. It was a great group of kids. That's um, fun. Yeah, it was a ton of fun. Um, and, and honestly, it was fun because I had never played varsity high school lacrosse. So now I was coaching it. It was sort of like the first time experiencing it for me. Oh, that's um, cool. So it was cool. Um, but learned a ton that year just about um, – about coaching and about how to teach the game and how it's different than playing. Um, but also have to give coach Al a lot of credit because, um, it's, it's a, a lot easier being an assistant coach than it is being a head coach. I'm sure you know that as well. Um, oh, man. 
Coach Hartley and I were t- joking about that on, on the podcast with him. Uh, shameless plug for previous episodes. Uh, wouldn't it be great to go back to being an assistant coach? You just get to focus on one side of the ball, and you're like you're literally just trying to beat the other assistant coach all, yeah. all season long. Yeah, you don't uh, you don't have to bear nearly as much of the burden of sort of like um, you know blending all the various personalities and kind of making sure there's cohesion across units. It's like I've got my unit. I'm going to coach them how I want to coach them. We're going to have the attitude that I want them to have. And if the offense hates us for it, then so be it. You know, like that's how it's yeah. going to be. Um, yeah. As a head coach, you're like, all right, it's great that my units are competing, but now I need them to also want to play for each other when the <laughs> game rolls around. So it's that fine line you got to walk. Oh um, man, you should you should uh, call Coach Blamey and get some stories on me because uh, we used to have some wars over at Sonoma back in uh, 2012 and 2013. That it was some epic yelling at each other, walking out of the parking lot of like, you know, I can imagine. I can better. I can imagine. Yeah. Um, but you know, as everybody's seeing with, uh, the last dance now, that kind of, um, that kind of antagonism at practice and that sort of, you know, violent competition, uh, can definitely be channeled for good. So you gotta, you gotta find what works for you, but, um, it definitely doesn't hurt to, to be your own worst enemy at practice because it'll make the game easy. Um, yeah, for sure. So you but, coach at Maryland Island having a blast Yeah, and, and then the opportunity arises for you to get to, to Florida. Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, I had obviously just kind of stayed in touch with the team as as an interested alum and as somebody who cared about you know where the future of the team was going, um, and never in a million years thought that I'd be back coaching. Um, but we did know just kind of as a as a program, we knew that there was going to be a coaching search because uh, Coach Winters retired, and they had a uh, coach Alex Breslin who he took over in the intermediate period, but, um, everybody knew that it was just for a year because he was moving on to medical school after that. Um, and he wasn't going to be in Gainesville anymore. And I also think it's, it'd probably be pretty tough to be a head MCLA coach and be a med student. Um, (laughs) that sounds hard. Yeah. So we knew that there was going to be a search and originally I was kind of just like, just sort of plugged in because I wanted to know who it was going to be. I didn't ever consider (laughs) that it would be me. Um, but, uh, some things went down and I, I kind of helped as a, as an interested alum again, like I said, and and that sort of strengthened a relationship that I had with um, the guys who eventually took over the exec board, exec board positions and ended up making the hire. Um, and so I think coach winners put in a good word for me. He actually texted me and said, Hey, have you ever thought about putting your hat in the ring for this? And I sat on it for a couple of days and then decided that it was something that I was interested in and put my hat in the ring. And then um, two guys who I had played with, Aaron Silcott, who was a, a great faceoff guy for us for four years. Um, he was an All-American at least a time or two. And then Hank Champagne, um, a really skilled attackman, uh, came out of Long Island. When I first met Hank, he was probably 5'5", 120 pounds soaking wet um, and ended up as a as a great player for us, his senior year team captain, um, and a, and a big time point producer. So, um, they hired me and, uh, the rest was history. I've moved back to Gainesville a year after I graduated and took over the team and really had no idea what I was doing, but, uh, knew that I really enjoyed it and that I was having an absolute blast and that, um, I actually really enjoyed being back in Gainesville. It's a fun town to live in, even if you're not going to school here Sure, um, and been doing that ever since. So just, just wrapped up year four, um, a little bit prematurely, but, uh, it's, it's been, 
it's been something where I have absolutely no regrets. Um, and I'm now really excited about where we're at as a program. Um, there were some things that needed needed fixing. And uh, the past couple of years, past five years or so in the MCLA have kind of been, in my opinion, an arms race. If you look at how many programs are now operating at a really high level, and we needed to make sure that Florida kept pace and, and got back to where we needed to be as a, a team that's you know, in the discussion for national top 25 consistently. And then now the next step is we need to make a push and be a team that is, uh, you know, competing for a national championship. So um, we're excited to be where we're at and uh, suck that 2020 got cut short, but we're excited to kind of keep rolling. Yeah. I mean, this year being cut short was awful for so many teams. And uh, I think all of us just, just wanted to see where we ended. You know, it sucks when you don't get to decide that for yourself. Um, but let's talk a little about your journey. So, you know, I, I think you're totally onto something when you talk about an arms race in the MCLA. I mean, it's been a big deal about identifying budgets and plans that work at a more varsity level than, than I think people initially think about when they think about club lacrosse. Um, so your first year in 2017, you guys finished 10 and three, you get a big win over A&M, Texas A&M that is, mm-hmm. and you have a close loss to Georgia. Um, you know, tell us about like what that kind of season meant to you and how it catapulted to, to form a really solid 2018. Sure. So yeah, that first season, um, when I got the job, I, we had a meeting in the fall, which we do every year. We have an info meeting, which is, it's for everybody. It's for the, you know, guys who are expecting to be returning players. It's for freshmen that we've never met before. Um, but I think I, I went in with a little bit of a different kind of tone than what had been happening in the past couple of years. Cause I had basically looked back and said, look, you know, I had an absolute blast here as a player. Um, but I also know that we, we were an average team, um, and we should have been better. Um, and, and we need to make some changes and, you know, there was only so much I could do as a player back then, but now if I'm going to be the coach, um, you know, I was hired to come in and do this right. And so we're going to need to do this right. And so that first meeting, we looked back at the recent past and and sort of all the bad trends that needed to be fixed. Um, we were we were a really bad team on the road. We didn't win road games. We didn't travel well. Um, we uh, hadn't beaten a couple of our big rivals in a long time. Georgia being one of those teams. Um, and so you know we just made a list and we said, look, these are these are things that need to change. Um, and that first year we didn't achieve all of them, but we were a really good road team. I think we were 6-0 and on the road at one point. Um, I think our only loss away from Gainesville was that neutral site game to Georgia, um, which actually was played in Tallahassee, and we lost by a goal. Um, so we had achieved a lot of the goals we set out to achieve. We made the SELC tournament, um, lost to, to the Hokies, actually. Um, but uh, Or, sorry, the SELC tournament. I, I can't remember if I said MCLA, but made it to the SELC tournament. Um lost to the Hokies, but we had achieved a lot of what we wanted to achieve. And then um, the next year it was, okay, we, we improved on the road. We were 10 and three. That was our best record in a long time. Now, you know, we need to beat some of these teams that we said we were going to beat. And Georgia was at the top of the list. Um, so, you know, kind of one big step for us from that first year of me being the coach to the second year was getting that win over Georgia um, up in their, in their neck of the woods. Um, and so that's, that's kind of been the theme every year since then, right. Is, um, you never want to go backwards. Um, so we've, 
set these goals for ourselves and we know that where the program was maybe five, six years ago, and now we know where it's at right now. Um, and the goal is to keep chipping away every year at all these little, little things that we want to fix um, and just keep getting better that way. You can't knock them all out in a year, but uh, we've pr- progressively kind of checked them off the list. Yeah. Rome wasn't built in a day, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that was such a terrible joke. Sorry, guys. Everyone, I'm, glad, I'm really glad you had the drum roll uh, hi hat thing <laughs> lined up. That was impressive. Uh, well, you know, we're getting better here. We're on like podcast twelve or something, and uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's th- the wins over your here down here in the southeast, and I'm sure this is true at any sort of big football school. I didn't go to a big football school. I went to Marquette, and uh, it's a big basketball school, right? But the wins over your traditional football rivals matters. I mean, yeah. it matters. Yeah. And and so, like, for F- Florida getting that win over Georgia is huge. Um, and that was a big one. And then and then you guys took that win and you kind of parlayed it into a trip to Cali where you guys were able to get uh, – well, let me say that back. step back here. You get a buzzer-beater win over Texas A&M in kind of a crazy exchange of events, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, Texas A&M returned our trip – uh, from the previous year, which was in 2017, my first year, we hopped on a bus, did the 16-hour haul to Texas, Ooh. which I'll never do again. Um, that's a that's a plane trip from now on. But um, showed up late, stepped off the bus, had about 20 minutes to face off, and um, we beat them pretty good wire to wire. Um, so that was a, a fun first step. I had never played Texas A&M before as a player, so that was a, a fun kind of venture into LSA land and to kind of compete with their top dog. Um, and then they came into Gainesville the next year as a top 25 team. And so that was a big win for us because um, it was the first top 25 or ranked win for, for Florida uh, in a while. Um, and uh, it came in dramatic fashion. Um, young man by the name of Max Gravenstein, who he played for me my first two years, uh, has since decided to focus on his studies. He's a biomedical engineering major, so it's a pretty demanding um, field of study. Um, sure. So we missed him this past season, but played. Uh, he played in 2018 and 2019 for us in that 2018 year as a freshman. He hit a buzzer beater as time expired um, against Texas A&M off of a great feed from X uh, by a, a really talented lefty attackman named Sam Khalil. Um, and then Max carried that momentum out to California the following week um, for our spring break trip where another sort of goal that we had set that year was we looked at our, our program's history in California over the last, I want to say four years, but it was six games that we had played, um, a, a SoCal trip and a NorCal trip dating back to 2014. We hadn't won a game against a California team. Um, wow. So went out and we were actually facing off against your Sonoma State Seawolves and um, a, a tightly contested game with a little bit of drama, a little bit of controversy. But uh, the way it played out was we went into overtime. You guys tied it late, uh, had all the momentum. And I think you won the opening faceoff, if I'm not mistaken. We, we had to make we, a we, off on the defense. We, uh, we won the opening faceoff and all we had to do is get below the line to call timeout and – Unfortunately, one of our uh, senior attackmen didn't realize where he was on the field and stopped moving his feet and turned over and never got the ball back. I, yeah, I, I think it was – I, I hope I get this right, but I think it was – at the time he was a sophomore, I think it was one of our LSMs, Hunter Ramsey, who's a pretty mean, 
pretty mean on-ball defender. Um, a, a guy that I'm happy I've never gone one-on-one against because <laughs> he's uh, he's broken a few wrists and a, and a few hands in his day. He forced yeah. a turnover, I think runs down the field, moves the ball to Max. And Max, uh, we thought he was actually – I think we called a timeout or, or something, and we, we drew something up. And Nick Rizzo, who was a really talented midfielder for us for a couple of years, um, he was sort of a, a football-style player, one of those guys. He really liked to lower his helmet and kind of dodge hard. But he had great hands on the inside, and he had scored a couple of nice goals on the crease. So we kind of set Max up to feed um, because we knew Max could draw slides and then he could pl- make a play with his head up. Um, but turned out Max was able to just get to the rack himself um, you and I talked about that play when we were kind of preparing for this, but he yeah, sort of faked, faked that shot and baited the trail check and then got underneath and, and stuck it low and away on a low angle. Um, and uh, so Max had a, a good two weeks, hit the buzzer beater to beat Texas A&M for our first ranked win and then helped us get the win in overtime against Sonoma State. So that was fun. Um, we went two and one on that trip, but we beat both the California teams. The only team we lost to was Michigan State, who eventually went on to win the national championship. So another kind of stepping stone year for us where we sort of announced to the rest of the MCLA that we could go out and beat teams around the country, some pretty storied programs that we didn't have a good history against um, and had a had a one-win better record uh, that year than we did the previous year. So we ended 2018 11-5, and five, um, and you know that was kind of a really good two-year start for us. Yeah, so you finished 2018, you're feeling good, got some ranked wins, Avengers California's, Avengers Georgia, and then 2019 comes and you feel like you got all the pieces, but uh, it doesn't go the way that you think. You know, what was the, if you had to kind of boil it down to like one or two things, what were the, what were the biggest things that held you guys back from getting those dubs? Because lots of close losses, right? Yeah. Um, so 2019, what I looked at was, okay, we've won a lot of games. We've won 21 games uh, the past two regular seasons, but we don't have a lot to show for it. Um, two tough first round exits in the SCLC tournament, both those years, once to Virginia Tech, who is, uh, you know, just always a really good team, always a team that's competing to win an SCLC championship. And then um, that 2018 year was the year that South Carolina kind of exploded onto the scene nationally. Right. So we, we had a tough draw against them in the first round and lost a, a close game um, that I was really proud of the way we battled, especially compared to how we played them early in the year. But, you know, we still lost and our season was still over. So <laughs> I looked and I, and I knew we needed to play a tougher regular season. We needed more ranked teams. We needed more teams kind of from the best of the best of all the conferences. Um, and we were able to put a schedule like that together. But um, we started five and one and we liked where we were at. But uh, the lesson I learned that year was that um, you can have all the talent in the world. And I thought we were the most talented team that I had had so far on paper. Um, But what I realized was those first two years, we were winning a lot. um, And, you know, to take nothing away from those teams, but our schedule hadn't really been stepped up to a MCLA tournament caliber in terms of like if we're going to schedule thinking that we're going to get an at-large berth we need to we need to kind of step it up a little bit um and so we did step it up a little bit and we lost a lot of close games to some really good teams teams that are at the national tournament consistently um and i think what i realized was that when you're winning a lot you maybe aren't being forced to evaluate your weaknesses uh, especially kind of your mental and cultural weaknesses um and when you start losing those things get exposed in a hurry um, right. 
And I realized that I wasn't nearly as good of a coach as I thought my 21 wins said that I was. Um, I had, I had overlooked a lot of things in terms of leadership, um, in terms of accountability, uh, in terms of the kind of culture that you need to, to, to make a talented team into a a winning team and and a championship caliber team. So, um, you know, as all things in life go, you learn the most from your failures. So 2019 wasn't a failure to me. It was a learning experience. And we had a young team that, um, you know, we fell short when, when things got difficult and it wasn't because they didn't play hard. They played their tails off. Um, but I wasn't doing a good job as their coach. And when I looked down and kind of make an honest evaluation, the guys who, um, were asked to lead, you know, they, they weren't doing a great job either, but mostly that's because I wasn't setting them up for success and I wasn't kind of asking the right questions and demanding the right things from them. So we learned as a program. Um, and you know, like all things, if you, if you learn from your failures and you kind of take action, then you can usually turn things around. And, um, that kind of led into 2020 where we were lucky that, um, the guys who did come back for the 2020 season, the guys who weathered the storm in 2019, so to speak, who I, I give a lot of credit because, um, you know, and, you know, being in, in, around the MCLA for so long, you know, guys leave um, over the course of four years. It's it's the exception rather than the rule to have a guy play all four years. Um, but we definitely had a little bit of a, of a mass exodus of some guys from the program and, you know, I love all those guys and I'll, I'll have their back for anything they need. But at the same time, it was to me, I looked at it as a, you know, the, the people who needed to leave made the choice. Um, we didn't ask anybody to leave. They left. Um, change, change, is, change is not always bad for, yeah. for both parties, right? It's not always yeah. bad for both parties. Yeah. They, maybe they realized that they wanted to spend their time elsewhere. And that's something I always tell our guys is look, if at any point you're out here and you feel like you want to be somewhere else, then, you know, if that feeling persists for a while, you probably need to ask yourself if this is really where you want to be because it's going to be better for you to be doing something you're excited about. It's going to be better for the team to have only people here that are excited about being here. So um, we had a little bit of a change up, but what ended up happening was the guys who came back and and took on leadership roles, whether they were captains or not, um, did an excellent job and they, they were re- steadfast in kind of their resolve to not go through what they had gone through in 2019. Um, I had learned a lot as a coach. I approached things very differently and, and changed a lot about how I operate, uh, I think, for the better. And then we were really lucky that we had not only a really talented group um, of new guys come into the program, you know, whether that was freshmen or transfers, but, right, you know, they were talented, but they were also really just like energetic and like a, just kind of a positive injection into the program. Um, and you know, I've had a ton of fun in lacrosse my whole life, but maybe it's just recency bias, but I think there's something to it for sure that I had an absolute blast this past season from, from day one of fall ball until it got cut short, um, by this whole virus thing. I was just having a ton of fun. Um, yes. sometimes the, uh, sometimes the, the coaches and, and team just, just gel and, and things are good. And, and you know what, like those are, those are your best years. You, you end up having your best seasons. And a lot of times they kind of come back at, off of like your ability to learn. So it's funny, like you talk about, you know, 2019 was a learning experience for you. Like clearly you did your homework and you came back with a different mindset that, you know, presented itself to the guys and, and 
it showed on the field, right? You guys finish eight and three. You pay big wins over the Hokies and over Auburn. And, you know, I thought you guys were hitting your stride. I thought you guys looked pretty good um, against us. I mean, it was weird, weird circumstances for both of our teams in that game. But, you know, I think the SCLC had a, you know, one to eight was pretty talented, you know? So, yeah, I think um, we did, uh, you know, I I mentioned that we, we did those exit interviews and we had a lot of guys saying, you know, coach, we were really just hitting our stride. You know, we were really fired up. And for the guys who are coming back, they're excited to hopefully pick up at that point where we left off. But you're right. We, um, you know, we, we started with some really tough games. We went up to Georgia and lost, um, which, which sucked. Um, it was a, a snow game. It was crazy conditions, but it's weird. In Georgia. Out, you know, Georgia just wanted it more than us that night. And that was a good early season gut check for us. Um, and then we went and played the defending national champs the next day and we lost that game, but we hung with them really tight for significant stretches of the game. And in some, in some quarters, you know, outplayed them. Um, the difference was that South Carolina is a really confident team. They're experienced. They know how good they are and they come out and they're just full go start to finish. And even if they have a little bit of a mid game slump, they're confident they're going to bounce back. So, um, but it was telling to me in the huddle after that South Carolina game, um, a couple guys spoke up, uh, and just said, look, you know, they were the better team wire to wire, but we were right there with them for stretches. So. We have a lot of work to do, but if you think we can't play with anybody in the country, um, you know, you're mistaken because we've shown that we can do it and we've got the horses to do it. So um, after that, we strung some wins together, big win um, on the road against Auburn, who was coming off their big Utah Valley win. That kind of, I think, uh, was a little bit of a wake up call for the rest of the country and especially how the rest of Utah Valley's trip went. People really didn't know what to think. And so- Gators come into town. Um, I don't know if we were ranked at the time or not, honestly, probably not because East Carolina had given us a scare the week before. Um, yeah. But, but uh, down 5-2 to Auburn to start the game. Um, great little ball of energy sophomore for us. Christian Holland gets a, a sweet diving goal um, to close out the half and gives us a little bit of life. It's 5-3. And then we come out guns blazing in the third quarter, put up five in the third. Um and put up two more in the fourth and uh, were able to pull out a 10-8 win and we kind of dominated the second half. It was, they scored late to make it, you know, a little bit interesting, but we had them at 10-7, I think, pretty late in the fourth quarter and we kind of knew that we were in control. Um, so that was a good sort of, that, I think that started us hitting our stride and then got a couple more wins um, with the only loss the rest of the way being to Chapman, um, which the final of that game doesn't look so great, but it was 3-2 at halftime. So again, another... Right. Um, and that Chapman team was really good. Um, I, yeah, they respect. Of, of what I was exposed to this past 2020, if somebody said I had to pick, put my money on a team to win um, the MCLA tournament, I it would have been hard for me to not pick Chapman just based on what I saw in terms of their skill. Um, but a, another game where we we hadn't learned how to put it all together yet, but we saw that we were hanging with this team, especially defensively. Um, you know, and I think Chapman's one of the best offensive teams in the country, year in and year out. We really yeah. played, played well defensively and hung on for as long as we could. Um, and so then, like you said, we we ended the year with uh, two good wins. Uh, beat Arizona, who we were really you know it was awesome that they made the trip out to Florida to play a couple of the Florida teams, and they're a good program that I think is only getting better. So to get a, a 
a pretty sound victory over them was good for us. And then um, we beat the Hokies to kind of close things out. And, you know, it was definitely weird circumstances. And ultimately, you and I have talked about this. We worked we worked our butts off just to make that game happen. And, and right. it wouldn't have happened if you guys, as the Hokies, weren't working just as hard as we were. Um, and you guys were a huge help. But we were fortunate to make that game happen. Every senior on our team was able to play. You had the year one senior who was able to play. Um, and, you know, the Gators – were a little bit more consistent front to back that game. And we, we um, got the win, but um, you know, ultimately it was really more about, I was really pleased that our team rallied together given everything that was happening and just said, we're going to, we're going to do what needs to be done to make this game happen. Cause we had to leave Gainesville. We had to go down to Orlando. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't ideal. It would have been really easy for guys to just say, look, coach, like I can't make it. There's a global pandemic happening. Like, <laughs> I can't leave Gainesville right now, um, but enough guys made the trip to even make the game happen, and then they also showed up and played their butts off and uh, sent their seniors out with a win. So we were yeah. happy with where we were at, and um, you know, I, I got to rib you a little bit. Uh, my history with Hokies goes back long before you took over the season, but it was yeah a little moral victory for me because the Hokies have ended my season three times. Um, twice, my once my junior year they ended my season, my senior year they ended my career as a player. And oh, man. Uh, my first year as a coach, they ended my season. So it wasn't playoffs, but it was it was a little bit of a moral victory for me to get that win. And uh, more importantly for our program, it was uh, our second ranked win of the year and, and uh, a good note for us to end the season on. Yeah, if I knew I was walking into that, maybe I would have said no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, uh, we'll, yeah. We'll, pay, we'll pay you back. We'll come up to Blacksburg and see if we can uh, replicate it on your turf. <laughs> well, what? We'll try not to do the eighteen uh, hour driving all over the continent. It felt like it was that was the craziest day. But uh, you know, whatever. I was glad we got the game in. It was it was awesome for all the seniors and uh, all of us to put the jersey on one last time. And for sure, I think uh, I think my guys, as much as they were struggling with the balance of like I'm ready to just go to Daytona Beach um, and not be doing this lacrosse thing. Yeah, and and then also playing the game. I think like looking back, they'll be glad they played it for our senior. Shout out Chris Weston. You're the man. And, um, you know, it was cool. It was fun to play, play you guys. So uh, I'm looking forward to hosting the Gators up here. It'll be fun. Um, but you know, obviously you had a great career and you're doing really well. And I'm looking forward to you many more years at you at, at the head of, uh, the Gators, but, uh, want to give us any insight into the 2021 schedule? Uh, yeah. So, um, let's see, we've got in terms of travel, what we've got so far is, um, We've got a nice thing going with LSU. You mentioned earlier playing those big football rivalries. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, Shane, who's doing a great job out there with LSU, obviously won a, an LSA championship last season. Um, they've uh, they returned the favor and, and finally traveled to us um, this past year. Um, we were fortunate to get a, an early season win there. But um, we're going to keep that going every year as long as we can. So, We'll be traveling to uh, Baton Rouge, and we always make a little pit stop in New Orleans, which is fun. Um, <laughs> and then we've got um, some good teams coming to town in terms of building out our home schedule. Um, we're going to have a – me and Coach Winters are going to have a reunion game. Uh, Temple's <laughs> going to come down and play us. Um, Sweet. That would be cool. We'll have uh, Kennesaw State's going to come down early in the year. I always like to kind of get some of those D2 matchups from within the SCLC because – there's a lot of great D2 teams that, you know, I don't care what, what division comes after your name if you're a good team and we can get a, a good early season test yeah. against you. And yeah, it's any, any good team. 
Exactly. Um, so we'll have Kennesaw at home, Temple at home. Georgia will be playing us at home this year. Um, so good home schedule. And then we've got um, we're going to return the favor for Arizona and we're going to make the Arizona trip to play. Hopefully all three of the big Arizona schools being um, University of Arizona, Grand Canyon and Arizona State. Um, and that's a, another revenge tour trip for me as a coach in terms of uh, my sophomore year spring break as a player we went and played the arizona schools and and i came back over um so yeah. hopefully got you know got a little bit of revenge against u of a at home but it'll be different to try to go get it in the desert so that'll be a fun test for us um and then you know we've always got our uh our our regional games um you know we, we play florida state every year which is right. it's a great great opportunity because they're always one of the premier teams in the country and also um it's been since my sophomore year as a player since we beat them. So we're long overdue. And, um, you know, we're at a point now where they talk a lot of smack to us. And, um, you know, at some point you gotta, you gotta beat them if you want them to shut up. So, um, yeah. we all want them to shut up pretty bad, but, uh, until we go out there and earn it, earn it on the field, um, we kind of got to bite our lip and, and let them talk until we uh, prove otherwise. So that's a good challenge for us every year. Um, UCF, we've got a, a tough loss from 2018 or no, sorry, from 2019. That needs to be avenged. They kept us out of the playoffs, uh, in 2019, one sure. game against us. And we didn't get to try to avenge that this past spring. So looking forward to that. And, um, we'll definitely sprinkle in a few other games along the way, but I think that what we've currently got, it puts us at right around 10 games. So probably got room for two or three more and then uh, we'll see what happens. That's awesome, man. Well, it sounds like you got a good uh, set of games in front of you and uh, 2021 stands to be a year that uh, the Gators can certainly uh, put a stamp on the MCLA season. Uh, ASU, Arizona, Grand Canyon, all top 25 teams. Um, I don't care what anyone says about ASU's record this year. They will be back. And, you know, obviously FSU on top of that. So um, you got some challenges in front of you for sure. Um, yeah, we're looking good, and more than anything, we're all just think just like you guys. We're excited to just get back on the lacrosse field. Oh yeah, man, just compete. Well, well, hey, coach, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, we, you know, we got chatty here, and we went a little long, but that's okay. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I hope you did too. Anything you want to uh, share with the people before we uh, end this thing? Um, no, I mean, uh, go give uh, Gator Lacrosse a follow on all our social media platforms. Um, I do. I, I want to give a couple shout outs just so I don't miss anybody. Um, I, I talked about a kind of a change in the positive for our culture as a team this year. And uh, other than the players taking up that mantle themselves, a huge part of that was um, uh, our assistant coach this past year who came on board for it. Uh, <clears> a huge coach. part of that culture change is a big it's a big deal. You got to get culture change is going to be key and getting those players recognized is something you really want to do. Yeah. So, uh, my assistant coach, Nick Thunman, um, who's been, uh, my best friend since high school, he came aboard and, uh, he was a huge kind of jolt of life uh, on our sideline. And he really took culture as something that he wanted to actively work on. Um, you guys, people have seen the pictures of our shovel on social media. Um, you know, whether you want to make fun of us for it or not, it, it doesn't really bother me. I think it's all good, good, uh, publicity to generate and good buzz to generate have people talking but it became a rallying point for our team so coach nick did a great job and he was a huge part of us kind of uh taking a, a leap culturally this season and we're looking forward to building on that um and then uh you know 
you know as well as I do that the MCLA coach's lifestyle is not an easy one to maintain. And um, none of us do it without the support of, uh, you know, support of significant others and support of parents. And so my parents, my girlfriend, Alex, um, they all do an awesome job of, of letting me do this thing that I want to do and that I really enjoy. And uh, they make it really worthwhile. So uh, it's fun to share both successes and failures with them. But just having them there along the way is really awesome. So wanted to say thank you to those folks um, and uh, just, you know, let them know that it means a lot to have their support uh, for the Gators as we go through this. Right on, Coach. Well, I'm glad you got to shout those guys out. It's it's hugely important. MCLA coaches need all the help that we can get, uh, both on and off the field. So uh, awesome, man. Well, uh, Coach, really, thank you for having uh, – thank you for coming on. We really appreciate having you. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you guys on the field in 2021. And thank you today for listening to Stall Warning. You can follow us on social media at 101 underscore LAX or at 101 lacrosse on Twitter and Facebook. Until next time, peace out.